Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I am talking with Emmy-nominated and Emmy-winning cameraman and cinematographer Mario Panagiotopoulos. He just got off of a season of RuPaul's Drag Race, one of my favorite shows, and I asked him a lot of questions about what it's like to work on that show, as well as a little bit about his history and how he got to be where he is today. You've been involved in some amazing projects over the years. Have I? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> a lot of shows that I used to watch, especially on VH1, like Flavor of Love and all those. I mean, some classics. Can I ask you how you made the transition into the business? I think you went to, what, Columbia or was it Northwest? Columbia, yeah. Columbia College in Chicago. I moved out to L.A. and I had was trying a few things out. I'd worked on some music videos when that was still a thing and uh, some commercials. And those early 51 Minds VH1 shows that I was getting asked to do because I knew someone over there. I was reluctant a little bit to get into the reality world. But um, once I got in there, it was early. I was traveling around the world. I was getting opportunities to shoot. And then almost 20 years went by. (laughs) And here I am, you know, still in it. So it's been an adventure for sure. Is Flavor Flav the same person on camera as he is off? Yes. You know, that was one of my first shows in reality. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of like, what a circus. And I was a Public Enemy fan when I was a kid. But, you know, this version of it where he's this aging artist and he's doing this kind of bacheloresque, you know, and a lot of the crew, including myself, kind of rolled their eyes and were like, really, who's going to? you know, who's going to watch this? Like, no one's going to watch this. You know, this is a train wreck. And it was the highest rated show at the time, I believe. I don't know if it's ever, but it was, you know, it broke records at the time on VH1. So, yeah, I was surprised. But he is the same. Yes, very much so. In fact, okay, here's a here's a behind-the-scenes thing that's not really a, a NDA thing, but he's he's so amped up from jump that, for the interviews, I don't know if you recall them, but he would stand instead of sit, which is not the traditional way to do things. And not only would he stand, but we had, I want to say it was about a four foot by four foot taped off square that were like, if you can just stay here, you know, stay, don't leave this square while you talk. That would be great. And that's that's how we did the interviews for him. When did you make the move over to the whole Drag Race universe? I had done some projects for World of Wonder, a production company that produces Drag Race. And... I was between shows and it was, it was the summer, I believe of season one and they got me on. It was kind of there. They were, you know, they had this idea and it sounded great, but I think there was a little bit of some of the people from the stage world and some stage, you know, in terms of game shows and stuff like that crew. And then world of wonder was like, well, we want to use some of our trusted people as well. And I had DP'd some projects. So I got in season one sort of just because I was doing a lot of stuff for them at the time. Yeah, and I, I, I stayed for a few seasons. Jacob Kerber, who is now the DP, who has been for, I think, since season two, he, he was an operator on season one as well. We became really good friends and taken a break for a while and done some other shows. But he talked me a little bit into getting back into it about five years ago, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, you must be a very trusted person because I think uh, Fenton and Randy asked you to be the cinematographer for the Maplethorpe documentary, which is fantastic, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was I kind of didn't realize until this year, you know, we were talking about how it was season 15 that we were currently filming of, of Drag Race. And 
I'm like, man, have I really been working for them for 15 years? And then I was like, really, it's been longer because I had already worked for them before Drag Race. But they've given me a lot of opportunities over the years. And I did an earlier documentary with them, the Chaz Bono documentary that, you know, we went to Sundance with and, you know, some other doc projects. But that one was, yeah, that was huge. I mean, that, I was very excited to take that on. And it was, it was, a, yeah, it was a fun ride. When it comes to being a camera operator slash cinematographer for something like Drag Race, I mean, what does that entail? Like, I mean, obviously it's supposed to be a reality show. So I know there's some parts where, you know, you're sitting in the, you know, you're talking about the interview sections, but then otherwise it's got to be very run and gun, I would imagine. It's pretty dialed in now. Yeah, it is a show that, you know, we often say we have, luckily we have a lot of veteran camera operators on it, but there are a lot of components to it. And you have to be able to know how to shoot reality which may seem just like a throwaway thing, but it's not. I mean, you need to know how to listen. You know, at any given time, we can have, you know, a dozen queens in the room and you're listening to story and realizing that someone's talking and connecting, you know, shots or, you know, see another operator that needs help. And shooting reality, so to speak, isn't necessarily just holding it. And I mean, you have to be, you have to be really, you know, listening, you know, and then we have these challenges on another stage that could be anything from, the snatch game or an acting challenge or an improv challenge. And that's almost totally opposite. It's all blocking and rehearsals and, and, you know, a little more kind of straightforward, almost shooting like a narrative TV show. And then there's a stage element. There's not always a live element to it, but like the lip syncs, for instance, are live, not rehearsed. And so you have to be also good at that and, and anticipating and anticipate wrong. How do you make the adjustment? And, you know, so you do have to be pretty well-rounded to shoot on that show. How many camera people do they have working on there? And do they have different amounts for like, this is them getting ready versus this is Joe versus this is the challenge? Sort of. I mean, we all do all of it. I would say it's definitely heavier on days that we have, you know, larger events or like the musical, for instance, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll bring on an additional steady cam person or hire techno crane that day. But I believe on the main stage, when we do like runway and lip syncs, what we call the runway stage, that's around 10 cameras usually, maybe give or take a couple, depending on if there's something special going on. And then in the workroom, when we do the reality portion, 10 would be tops. I'd say it's more seven, eight or something like that. And usually, and you know, this show, like I said, it's, it is a well-oiled machine. So even when there are six, seven, eight of us in the workroom shooting reality stuff, there'll be another one or two shooting interviews of a previous eliminated queen or there'll be something getting set up on the other stage for performance later or whatever so but i would say somewhere in there 10 or less on a given day yeah do you have a camera set up for like michelle carson you know like the guest judge those kind of things is there one dedicated camera there is usually if it's a typical runway day where it's rue and judges like Michelle and or Ross or Carson, and then a fourth guest judge is usually what it is. Then Rue's camera is always Rue's camera. Rue has one dedicated camera that doesn't shoot anything else. And then usually there is a uh, a person swinging close-ups of the other judges, and then there's a a shot of the whole table. So yeah, so really it's on the the person shooting close-ups to again either anticipate or as soon as they hear. The first word come out of their mouth, they have to, you know, zip over. And they're far. I mean, they're not close to them. You know, they're on the opposite side of the stage on a long lens. 
yeah, the one on Rue and then the one shooting the other close-ups. Yeah. Are you communicating with like a director at the same time or are you totally. just kind of like, okay. Totally. But there's, you know, there's also sure stuff gets missed now and again, but usually not for very long. But you have to keep your eyes open that, you know, one eye on the on the viewfinder or the monitor and one eye kind of watching and seeing what's going on. And and that's why it's important to be engaged with the story, too, because if you hear something on the stage in your head, sometimes you go, oh, Michelle, I have something to say about this and get over there before she, you know, and that helps. But if, if the director, the director certainly helps. But if you uh, if you've missed it and you're panning by the time you're getting there, you're already panning. The director is already telling you, hey, get there. And, you know, so. It's if he's spoken, it's almost already too late, you know, a typical episode. So say like the snatch game episode, you start off the episode with, okay, the Queens are walking in from the previous challenge. You can tell that they're dressed in the previous outfit. How long does it take? Like what's the actual physical days for an episode to be shot? Is it two, three, one? Yes. It's somewhere in there. I think one is very rare. I want to say there has been, but maybe I'm wrong. Two, two to three is the typical thing. Obviously, three for bigger ones. Or a lot of times, what will happen for I can give you an example with the, the musical, which they call the Rusicals every season, which are awesome and so fun to shoot. Those, I, I don't know if it's every time, but those tend to be like right before a weekend. And so we get, you know, as the operators, we get a little bit of the seeds of what they're thinking of creatively of their character. It's a little bit of the rehearsal possibly recording if they're, if they're singing audio and then we'll be done. And those Queens will work their asses off all weekend with, with the choreography and, you know, recording. And, and so when we come in Monday morning, we're kind of fresh They're you know, they've been going at all weekend. So that would be an example of something that's for them at least stretched out a little bit longer, you know, because we ask a lot of them, they're in a bubble, like sort of not at home. And it, it's, it's hard to be there. And I don't know how they, how they do it and still perform at a high level. And yeah, they get put through the ringer. So yeah, my wife and I were just talking about that with, I think one of the last rusicals that they had where we're just like, did they really learn all this choreography overnight? This is impossible. I mean, sometimes they do. Sometimes it's, it's super impressive. I would say for some of the bigger things, it could be like a weekend thing or a one day thing where, where we're dark on the set, but they're still, you know, working with the choreographer, but even so, if they are learning, I mean, I've seen, even if they have a weekend, to see them learning the first steps, and some of them are self-admitted not dancers or not singers, and to watch them struggle with even the most basic beginnings of the choreography, and by Monday morning, to just be doing all of it with backup dancers and getting lifted up and flying splits and what you know whatever's, whatever's going on, it's, I don't care if they had 48 hours, it's still mind-blowing, you know. And we, you know, and, and we all have to nail it too and do it justice, you know, with, with the light, you know, the lighting team works really hard and highlighting everything they do. And usually what'll happen is something like that will get our director or one of the producers will sort of record some rehearsals on an iPhone. And then when we come in Monday morning, we sit down with the director and he goes, okay, here's what they're going to do. And we all get our assignment. You're going to get this, you're going to get this. When she jumps through the air, you hopefully get this, you know, it's, it's a circus. <laughs> When the queens are coming down the runway and all the jokes are just flying, is that done then? I also imagine there's somebody like feeding those lines to the judges. Yeah, I mean, I think some of them, maybe they'll get some kind of idea. And let me put it this way. For instance, there's usually a theme, you know, whether it's some kind of fall thing or or there's a theme of some sort. So I feel like some of the judges can already kind of 
anticipate some of these puns, you know, because that's what it is. I mean, it's just like a pun fest. It's crazy. And I'm even there. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm a low hanging fruit pun guy. Like I'm just on our communication system, you know, saying I'm going this, this, this. And when you're in that environment also, I got to tell you, like when you're there for months, just lit, you know, with all these witty people, you just start acting like that and you start, you know, hitting those puns, off, you know, even not on set, you know, even at lunch, everyone's so it's infectious, you know. How soon is it before or do you ever feel like you fade into the background and are just part of the wallpaper or are the queens always very aware of where the cameras are and who you are? I feel like we're pretty heavily involved. It's a little different. I would say pre-COVID, I think the biggest difference for us as the camera operators is the interviews. We used to be in a room with them. So there would be a little more personal interaction with the Queens. Now we do it in a different room with, you know, all remote. And even the, the producers are doing it remotely with, with an iPad. That would be the one thing I would say has made it a little less personal over the years. But it, there's also great benefits to doing it that way. You know, when we're in the workroom, I would say, oh, man, it depends. I mean, some of them are so in their heads that the whole time or so confident the whole time that they're just doing their thing and they're locked in and they're not. And then some of them just have the personality where they want to know everyone genuinely. And so they're trying to communicate with you. And you try to, you know, I said it's a fun environment and we're pretty open more than a lot of other shows, I would say, to be able to like kind of communicate with the queens and make jokes or whatever. But it's not. It's not super common. And you also have to be careful not to show favoritism because it is a competition show. So, you know, you can't really engage for too long with one person, but you're friendly. I'm thinking of a moment like with All Stars 7 where, you know, Wintergreen is there and one of your fellow camera operators. And it's just like, okay, they're obviously engaging with her very much. But I'm just like, that's a very particular case versus... That is a very particular case. Right. Right. a very particular case. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of times they will get the direction to, you know, if they're doing a performance and they'll say blah, blah. And then when you're done, you spin, make sure you say your line to Mario's camera or so-and-so's camera. And so they know, most of them know us by first name. But yeah, Sarge slash Wintergreens slash John... Is yeah, he's his own uh, special relationship. When you're doing a gig, like I know you just did one, well, probably just I don't know how long ago in the past it was for you, but like something like a Bake Squad on Netflix. How long does that type of a, a season last for you, being the camera operator? Bake Squad, I believe, was I want to say four weeks or five weeks or something like that. It, which is similar to I guess Drag Race is a little bit longer because it was more episodes, but. Um, yeah, if you take, you know, two to three day episodes times however many episodes minus weekends, it's usually like four to six weeks, something like that on a, on a typical show like that. Yeah. Although Drag Race, it feels like I've been on for, you know, it feels like I never left sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many Drag Races now. There's so many. Yeah. I think I'm in the process of trying to watch three seasons because of Australia Canada and I don't know if Philippines is out yet, but there's France, which I still haven't watched all of. I mean, just in the States, we have, you know, all stars and drag race and celebrity drag race is about to come out soon. I think they just started doing a promotion for that. That's three of them just here. And then we do the finale live, you know, right before it airs. So it, it takes a good chunk of our year for sure. Were you on that COVID season? Yeah, that was tough. And we were one of the, I believe one of the first kind of bigger shows back because it was 
Yeah, I'm trying to think en- end of June or something. I mean, it was, it was pretty, you know, it was only like a couple months. I don't know. Yeah. Late June, I believe that we started shooting that, but there was, you know, all the protocols were out there, but everyone was still learning and it was just, it was weird. Luckily we got through it. We had, I think we had no cases or one case or something the whole time that first year, but a lot of stuff now in hindsight probably looked like overkill, but they were doing their diligence, you know. We had uh, these like six foot by four foot sliding glass walls that they wheel in between crew to make sure they're not breathing on each. I don't know. It was it was crazy, but but it worked. I mean, whatever we did, you know, worked. So what are you working on now? I just wrapped up a stretch of drag race things like two days ago. So that's what I've been doing all summer. Yeah. Nominated for what did I read? Two Emmys right now? No, it's nominated for. Let's see. I, I meant you personally. Open, oh, me? Oh, how many cinematography Emmys? I think this is our fourth. You know, as you know, it's sweeping Emmys all the time. I mean, it's it's juggernaut for lack of a better word. Well, and rightly so. I mean, it's been such a cultural milestone. It's just amazing. Yeah, of course. It's surprised all the time by, by what it's doing and how it's, yeah, how people receive it. It's amazing. And just, yeah, to see the changes over the years. I think you worked on Drag Race U for... The one season that was available too? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I dragged you. And like I said, from, from season one to now, has been crazy to watch. I mean, it's it's been slow. It, was, it wasn't like overnight, but to see what's put into it now versus back then. But also currently working with young queens that sort of grew up on drag race is weird <laughs> to fathom. You know, when they're talking about in elementary school watching drag race and now I'm here and I'm like, what? That's it's been that long. Yeah, <laughs> Has to make you feel a little old, I'm sure. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Well, what's next for you, other than sweeping the Emmys? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, sweeping the Emmys, and I don't know what's, what's coming in the fall. I don't have anything, you know, large to speak of uh, after, especially after a long run like I just did of, of almost three months. I, I'm cool, just kind of, you know, taking it easy and just seeing what comes up next. So nothing, nothing in the books. Well, Mario, thank you so much for your time. This was great talking with you. Hey, thank you, Mike.
One thing to say, you better work. 